Are you trying to start a podcast but are struggling with the process? Well, you're in the right place now. Contact one of us at Across the Board Sports and we can help you get started through Anchor. We're looking for more podcasters and the best place to do your show is on Anchor. It is the easiest way to distribute your podcast on all major platforms and it's the most user-friendly website. Contact us and let's begin. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the latest edition of Across the Cavs. I am your host, Zach Weiss. And before we even get started, I want to say I'm excited to have our first guest. We'll introduce him later, Cody Shalafu, the Endicott College broadcasting prodigy. He writes Odes to Aaron Baines. And his Twitter username is based on Romeo and Juliet making its way into the NBA. We'll have more on that uh, when it comes up. And now on the Cavaliers. How about Colin Sexton against the Knicks? He had some good moments last year, guys. You know, he had the 29-point game against John Wall. He had 28-plus on five occasions, but he could never top that 30. It's kind of like in the MLB when you had those guys that strike out 199 times constantly. And this is different. This isn't celebratory. They would just miss the 200 strikeout. Against the Knicks, Colin Sexton announced his presence, announced his dominance, Remember when he slapped the floor in preseason before he ever played a game? That is the real Colin Sexton that we saw. His rebounds and assist number is really not important with his value. He was plus 26 in 30 minutes and 27 seconds. 31 points. He finally did it. 10 of 16 from the floor. 5 of 8 from 3. 6 of 8 from the floor. And before you say, oh, they're playing the lowly Knicks. You know who the Knicks backcourt defenders are, guys? Frank Nidalekina and R.J. Barrett. They are both very solid defensive players. You know the thing about Colin as he can really do this any night. When you're watching his game, no, it is not pretty. It is not pretty at all. It's a lot of power dribbling. It's a lot of getting to the basket. The game against Dallas was as frustrating a game as I've ever seen. I think Kristaps blocked him four or five times and no fouls. But he did a good job. He got to the line eight times. He made it to the first six before missing the last two. The five threes are great because when he opened last season, we'd always watch him uh, bring it down the floor, and the long two was always the answer. Now Colin says, I got three-point range, guys, and... That is huge in today's day and age. The Cavaliers, the team only made eight threes in this game. That's horrible. Colin made five, and that is one of the reasons the Cavs were able to get it done. I mean, they, they were up by 30 on the Knicks. The boos were coming in. All of a sudden, the lead is cut to 13. And yes, still up by 13. But when the lead shrinks like that, momentum can change. We've seen three times in the last decade leads of 30-plus points blown in the second half. Most notably, Tyreek Evans as a rookie against Derek, uh, Derek Rose's Bulls. I still don't understand this one. I'll never understand this one, but 35 down to win. It's what it is, but we hold on. Cavs still won by 20. Their second straight win of the weekend, and this is what Colin can do. Yes, he'll frustrate you with his shot choice sometimes. It's not the prettiest form, but when he sets, it is a thing of beauty sometimes. The amount of arc he gets on his shot, it's usually nothing but net. And this is that one hair that hangs down. It always kind of bothers me. It's that one little hair that's always... Hanging down. But you know what? He's a feisty guy. 31 points against the solid Knicks defense. And Frank wasn't focused on him as much as Darius and sometimes even Kevin Love. But it's, you love to see Colin Sexton playing like this. Because when he's going to score this much, takes pressure off Kevin Love, who finished with a 17-8 on 4 of 11 shooting. Jetty Osman's not guaranteed to get you scoring. He only had 5 points. And we had Jordan Carson throwing in 17 Colin Sexton can score, takes pressure off Darius Garland, who as a rookie should not have any added responsibility to what he's doing. Give him 10 to 15 points, get the assists, and you know what? Colin Sexton, keep doing what you do. This is fantastic to see. And how about the starting lineup as a whole? 
And this was a, something that shocked me. And first off, Zach Lowe tweeting about the Cavs in November. And he's not even bored. This is actually something positive this year, guys. This was something else. They're plus 16 per 100 possessions. And we know the starting lineup by heart has been the same every game. Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Kevin Love, Jetty Osman, and Tristan Thompson. Tristan averaging 16 and 11. Kevin Love 18, 13, and 4. Colin shooting 44%, about 42% from three while leading the team in three-point baskets. And these, remember the Cavs vets making fun of him last year? Where are they all now? They're, none of them are. Alec Burke, oh, let's see, no. Rodney Hood is starting on a Portland team, going nowhere really that fast. George Hill's playing well, but come on. Colin Sexton's a baller. Maybe he just needed that to get going. 19 points a game, only two assists, but that's not the factor here. Jetty's averaging nine points and three rebounds. He's shooting 42% from three. So you know what? He's only scoring nine points. But how about these three-point shots have been beautiful. Even Tristan Thompson made a three. Darius Garland averaging just nine points on 33% shooting, but he is averaging about a steal. He's been a good defender. And they got two 6'1", 6'2", guys in their backcourt. The Suns won for a year with Bledsoe and Drogic doing this, but it's not sustainable. The Cavs are showing it can be. And the reason they're working well defensively on the season, they ranked 12th. In points allowed per game at 108, not bad at all. 18 teams worse than them. They've held four opponents under 101. They held the Orlando Magic team that went to the playoffs last year to 94 on opening night. Yes, their offense has struggled since then, but you know what? The Cavs are the reason for that starting. They held Terrence Ross in check, and they played them well. They had the Knicks at 42 points halfway through the third quarter. How many times is that going to be seen in today's NBA by a team that won 19 games last year? I just think John Beeline has a good system here. They're 17th in total in defensive rating. At 4-5, and five, this unit just looks good. They're playing well on both sides of the ball. It's kind of all coming together. And you know what? I love what I'm seeing. I mean, look at, to the bench, talking about the defense and Larry Nance Jr. Doesn't block too many shots, just .4 a game, but he's got quick hands, five defensive rebounds a game. And if you watch that Dallas versus Boston game last night. You see guys like Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleba kind of reaching up and grabbing rebounds. They have no business grabbing with their long reach. That's Larry Nance. And this kind of goes back to when they made that trade a few seasons ago. And this has to be one of the worst trades you'll ever see a team make considering that there's no stars involved. Isaiah Thomas kind of washed up at this point and Channing Frye for Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance. And while it didn't help the Cavs in the finals that first year, Clarkson's averaging 15 a game, and no, he is not a ball hog. And you think Jordan Clarkson's a ball hog, you have to find another angle. He is a guy who can score relentlessly. Does he take some bad shots? Yes. Do we hound on every bad shot he takes more than other Cavs players? Yes. But is Jordan Clarkson a great guy to have on your team? Also, yes. He's only 27, so is his guy Larry. 10 points and 6 rebounds. You know what I love about Larry Nance? I'm not sure how many other how many of you guys have noticed this specifically. Every time before he would shoot a three last season, Larry Nance would hesitate, make sure he's open, and then take it. And now, he's just putting it right up. And you know, I love it. He's taking three per night. He's shooting 39% from deep. He's already made 10. If you're one of those rare people that has two Cavaliers bigs in fantasy, yes, I'm one of them. I have all three. I've Tristan in another league. It's, it's just great to see. I mean, Larry's looking really confident. He's not going to protect the rim, but he can dunk. He can pass like a guard. And you know what? This whole team, and Delhi, Delhi's not shooting the ball well at all. He's shooting 6% from three. Have it right here. And we talked about this on a previous show as well. Let's see. So on the season, Delhi's one for 17 from three. Yikes. Kevin Porter, three for 18. We'll talk about that when Cody comes on later. And uh, Porter and 
Garland, but they got to be better there in certain areas. And Brandon Knight should not be part of the rotation, but he does give them threes when he's in, so maybe at times he'll get minutes. And really hope we see John Henson healthy. He got eight minutes of play. Then he strained his hamstring after missing it in basically nine months. So we really hope he gets well soon. He's played eight minutes for the Cavs. And so again, on the note of the starting lineup being plus 16, I think everyone's contributing. They know how to play with each other. I mean, you don't have injuries and your guys are healthy and you have a coach that wants to be there. Sorry, Larry Drew. Even you know that was a disaster. If you're listening, you're going to hear this one. And John Beeline wants to be there. He wants to help these guys grow and uh, reach another level, maybe, maybe achieve a couple levels higher and possibly get a 500 season. And on the defense, everyone's kind of playing together. Colin is hounding his opposing guards. And with the exception of that short period against the Knicks, they're really just limiting uh, silly fouls. <clears throat> they, they're doing a good job in that area. And, you know, that, they don't have a true rim protector, but everyone's contributing. We saw Jordan Clarkson pin a shot off the glass. Anything can happen. All right, folks, here he is in the flesh. We have Cody Shalafu, a junior at the esteemed Endicott College. It's called every sport you can pro- possibly think of that ha- involves more than uh, five people or more out there at once. So no tennis, but, you know, Cody, first off, I want to say it's great to have you on today. Thanks for having me on, Zach. It's a pleasure to be on. And Cody is a big Celtics fan, and he has done poems about Aaron Baines, about Romeo Langford, and maybe, maybe if we're lucky, he'll be able to improv one about, about Colin Sexton. We're not going to ask too much. <laughs> But uh, it's great to have Cody. He knows his basketball. The first time I met Cody was probably a few days. Might have been even the day of our first game together. We announced basketball for the whole year. We did the first ever Endicott game at Gordon College. If you're wondering, that it's 10 minutes away, but it's a big deal to bring equipment to another school at the Division Three level. So, yes, it is very relevant. And he knows his basketball. And I'm excited to have him on. And Cody... Talking about the Cavaliers rookies, you've seen ups and downs from KPJ and Garland. And while the numbers haven't been there exactly from Garland, nine points and three assists, how would you assess his performance so far this season? I think it's been all right. I think it was kind of expected. Both these rookies were more on potential than anything. I mean, Garland, he only played about five games at Vanderbilt before he tore his ACL, and we didn't get to watch a lot of tape on him. But he was very similar to Colin Sexton, the way he was a pure scorer, but a little bit more of a passer. Um, a little, I was a little, conf- not confused, but I was a little iffy when they took, Yes, I thought there was maybe a trade in place with Minnesota to swap Garland for Culver, yep. I thought that made a little more sense, but Garland's a good player nonetheless, and I think the shooting woes, the percentages are down in the 30s and the 20s for three, I think those just come with time. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr., I think the same thing, I think he's an athletic guy, he has more defensive potential, I think, and... At uh, USC, he flashed a good amount of uh, on-ball skills to you know get to his spot and score. And it's one of the both of them have those games that they're going to need to learn the NBA game before they can really flourish. It's going to take a season or two, but I think Cleveland got two pretty good guys. And we kind of look at how they've been playing, and the numbers not there. Kevin Porter shooting thirty-four percent, averaging six points, seventeen percent from three. Darius nine points. Four forces are nice for a Cavs guard. It's been a few years since <clears throat> they've had a guard that can. Do that, but I like we were talking talk about the potential, but my, here's my issue with Kevin Porter. And yes, he's only played eight games. We're not going to harp on somebody because they haven't reached their potential in their first tenth of an NBA season. Right. But I think there's something to be said about a guy that is flashy and has a, a good jumper that he's always trying to do a little too much. And I'm not sure. I didn't get to watch him a ton in college, Cody, but was there other times with Porter 
My issue is that he kind of does what those talented point guards and the Kyries will kind of do a lot of right. handles to get free. I think sometimes you just got to take the shot and not make the extra pass. Yeah, he definitely had some games at USC where he would shoot one for 20. And then it just he just keeps going, and that's kind of the player he is, the player that USC needed him to be. Um, I was looking at him to go to the Celtics, one of the three picks, either 14, 20, 22. Uh, so I was kind of high on Kevin Porter Jr. the fact that I liked him as a player. And like I said, it's he has one of those games, him and Garland both, they just need to know the nuances of NBA defenses and offense. They need to learn. It's a different game, obviously. I don't think there's any... No, uh, no doubt about that. Yeah. It's changed. So they need to... The, the adaptation... And these are only 19-year-old, 20-year-old kids. Uh, so going from college to the pros, that's a huge leap. And there's, it's going to take them a season or two. And there's a reason Kevin Porter dropped a 30... Um, he's a good player, but he's definitely not that star potential that you draft yeah. Garland to be. And there were definitely were players like, all right, well, he's going to take a season or two to really develop and really find his way. He could be one of those players that maybe in his fourth season, right before his contract's mm-hmm. up, he actually comes into his own. So I say be patient with Kevin Porter because the potential there is is pretty good. Maybe not a lead scorer, but definitely a secondary right. scorer. And then we haven't seen him play yet, but I, again, you're not going to see <clears throat> Belmont on a lot mm-hmm. of big games. You did get to see them against Kentucky. And in the playing game, unbelievable day. Wendler, I believe it was. F- who, who did Belmont lose to? Do you? Uh, if you don't know, it's not the biggest deal. Yeah, I don't remember. I did remember. I do remember watching him go off. And- he had, I think, thirty nine. Yeah. And okay, Belmont. It was Samford that they. Was it? Oh, that was. That was right, it doesn't matter. Whoever they played. Right. He had a great <laughs> performance. So let's talk about Dylan Wendler. First off, just in a simple. Do you see him as a small forward or power forward in the NBA? Uh, probably more of a, I don't know, it's, it's weird because obviously shooting's his skill. Yeah. Um, he has a bigger body, so they might just throw him down on the post just to body up because I don't think he's athletic enough to really guard NBA wings. Yeah. Uh, so probably a hybrid of that. Hybrid, it's gone, okay, but it's a sustainable hybrid. But yeah. it's one of those things where, personally, I think positions are stupid. I think the okay. NBA has grown so much where it's not, what position can you play, but what spring do you give, what skill do you bring to the court? Okay. Do you give ball handling? Do you give rebounding? Do you give perimeter defense? And wherever you fit on the court with all that, I mean, I've seen the Celtics put four guards in on a lineup, and they yeah, that was unbelievable. Back last when they night. had and back when they had Avery Bradley and uh, Marcus Smart would basically <sighs> guard bigs. I mean, those those were definitely fun lineups, but it's more of what skill can you bring? And obviously, shooting is probably right. the, a top two skill in the NBA to have. And he brings that. And whether it's just a matter of time of when, when he sees the court. So hopefully he gets healthy soon. And we talked about KPJ and Darius. And I, I do think, Cody, that when he gets healthy, exactly what the Cavs need and don't have is a guy that, that just specializes in the three. Right. Even if he gets four or five shots a game, he makes 50%. That's six to eight points you're not getting. Mm-hmm. And in these close games, like when the Cavs met with the Celtics – it was down to the wire, and it's because they didn't box out. So maybe, and I'm not saying Wilmer's going to make the play to box out and give him that last rebound, but if you can add his shooting, you might be in a different spot at the end of a game that's close. Exactly, and it's one of those things where is he not the most athletic prospect? Yeah, definitely not, and there's a reason he would need the end of the first round. But if you can shoot, you can shoot. I don't care who you are. Um, so he definitely brings a skill that this modern NBA has, and I think it's maybe after at the end of the season once, you know, the playoffs are coming around and the Cavs are officially out of it. 
Uh, I don't think it's a surprise the Cavs don't have the most competitive yeah. roster compared to the league. Uh, but he'll get his opportunities, and I think he'd, he'd be a good player. I mean, Kyle Korver isn't the most athletic guy. No. But he can shoot the lights out. And, and he's an all-star somehow. And that he was an all-star for somehow. that Hawks team. So, yep. And you see what Kyle Korver could bring to a Cavaliers oh, he team was, as well. Except, oh, talking regular season, he was great. It was tough in the playoffs, yeah. but nevertheless, I mean, it was a I mean, just, joy. That, just that threat of oh. he can shoot, it changes the whole thing. It, whether you shoot 17% or 52% like he did. Yep. that one season if you they know you can shoot they're going to stay near you the defense and that opens up lanes for Sexton and Garland who are good drivers yep. and it opens up a whole it gives Kevin Love more space to operate in the low block which he did a lot in Minnesota and I feel like they they can do that a lot more now that he's kind of their star player I uh, still obviously shoot the threes he's, it's very valuable skill to have and gives Christian Thompson some more room to not have congested lanes for rebounds and yep. just having that shooting just opens up everything for the Cavs and it'll be fun to see him. And just last last note, and we'll get to the games. And just a kind of closing point on this. And it's it's interesting because you had the Ray Allens, you had the JJ Reddicks, the Kyle Corvers, the guys that they don't have the ball in their hands. They're always just moving without it. Right. And I think the only guy we have left like that right now, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like it's Landry Shamit. And he's a little different with his shooting technique compared to these guys. I felt like just that's not a thing where you just move without the ball. And yes, Reddick and Corver are still playing. I do realize that. But I feel like we might not see so many of those guys anymore. Uh, I think another player to put in that, Clay Thompson. Oh, that's right. Clay Thompson is a lot like that end-of-career Ray Allen type player. I mean, obviously he's fantastic defensively, and that's where he gets his star prowess from. But, yeah, that's what I'm saying. With the skills you can put on the floor, and I think the better teams in the league, like the Clippers, like the Bucks, like the top teams in the league, can afford to have a guy that can just go out there and shoot. But some other teams who are in, in the play in the mix of the playoff race in the middle, they need people to do yep. multiple things. And that's where those skills come in. What can you give me? I can give you this, 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 and this. Awesome. Who can give me the rest remaining? And where can we build this lineup from? Uh, I remember a couple years ago, Brad Stevens' famous depth chart was a Venn diagram. And I thought that was <laughs> the coolest thing of all time. It was like ball handlers, shooters, and like play initiators. And it was just everyone in Love that. And I thought that was that's innovative, and that's really what their game is going to. I mean, like you said, you saw the uh, Celtics game last night. Yep. You were there. I was there. Who was guarding Porzingis? Marcus Smart. And Marcus Smart has guarded Porzingis, Julius Randle, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and all these big dudes who, it may be in 2K, it's like last <laughs> mismatch, but in real life, yeah. that's how it's working. So uh, it's, it's more of you know, what skills can you bring? I think, by the way, the last thing, this is the Cavs podcast. I'm just, this is going to be a point. We're moving on. Yeah. Don't be surprised if the Celtics have a big game and Marcus Smart is playing center. Don't be surprised. <laughs> and now back to Cleveland. All right, Cody. Cavaliers, pretty simple week this week. They got three games, two at home. They are at Philly tomorrow. No Al Horford. He will be resting. Ben Simmons is questionable. They are against the Heat. They're against the Heat at home on Thursday, and then they will be bringing Philly in on Sunday. So they got three games. They're coming off a 2-1 and one week. They played well. They played hard. The Celtics lost. A little tough to see. Actually, that was actually two weeks ago, I believe. But they, they, they went. No, it was last week, right? Was it last week? It was two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago. But it ended. they picked up the win against the Wizards on national TV, although I know the reporters weren't too kind to Kevin Love. Not fond of that. So they got the Sixers. And no Al Horford. And we're probably not going to get – not this isn't a disrespect thing, but Philly needs to save Embiid's 30 to 35-minute performances for other teams. Right. So even with Horford out, probably going to get even some Mike Scott possibly at the five. They're going to get some Kyle O'Quinn. Or maybe even 
some Norville Pell might get called up since uh, Horford's not playing. I mean, look at how this works. And I do give the Cavs a fighting chance. If Horford and Embiid and Simmons are all playing, it's you chalk it up as an automatic L. But considering that we talk about the Cavs plus 16 with their starters, they always play, they probably play in the realm of 20 to 23 minutes a game together, which I would put as high as any other starting lineup. It's not that they don't trust the bench. What really happens, they got three bigs, Larry, Tristan, and Kevin. They're all kind of alternating amongst each other, and it's great that you got Kevin and Larry can kind of alternate at the four. Larry can play the five. You need Tristan at the – Tristan never needs to play the four. If you want to go really, really small for a short stretch, you can put Jetty in. Hopefully you have no injuries. So we don't need to put Tyler Cook in there. Not to knock Tyler Cook. He'll be a solid piece. He gave him a few good minutes against the Knicks when Kevin uh, or Tristan was in foul trouble. But the fact that we have this great big rotation and Philly will not without Horford gives me some good hope. And, yeah, I always love Mike Scott. Tattoo game was probably a 5 out of 10, but maybe a 10 out of 10 for uh, creativity. But I like the big matchup for this. If there's no Simmons, I think Sexton's about to go for 30 again. I also like Raul Neto, but he really doesn't bring too much defensively. And, you know, big picture, I do think, Cody, that if Colin get, does his thing, Garland can just kind of hold his own. He's got a really tough matchup with Josh Richardson. If he can get a couple stops, hold Richardson under 15 and score 15, I think the Cavs will get it done. Yeah, I think the one thing with the Cavs is they surprisingly match up well against the stars of Philadelphia. Aaron, uh, not Aaron Baines. Um, got it. Aaron Baines on the mind. Always on the mind. Aaron Baines always on the mind. Uh, Joel Embiid does struggle against those Aaron Baines type players, those yep. big, bulky guys. That's something that Tristan Thompson can do. And yep. I think if you put a body on Embiid, I mean, Embiid's a special talent. I think he's the best the second best big man in the league for sure Anthony Davis or Giannis Cats right up there too yeah I mean they're 14 threes the other night yeah I mean they're fantastic but anyway like Embiid does struggle against those guys that body him up and I saw that you know I just helped expand watching Aaron Baines and all that other stuff Um, also Larry Nance Jr. could be a very big x-factor especially if they put him on Ben Simmons Um, lanky athletic can keep up with Simmons plus Simmons does not have that outside shot so he can Stay back a little bit. And if Simmons first... is out, sorry, what? Yeah, and if Simmons it's, it's is out, right. It's an if. It's an if. I mean, it depends. I'm not 100% sure of his injury history right now. But, yeah. I mean, that could be a huge X factor, too. And like you said, if he is out, Colin can go for a good game. Uh, Josh Richardson is going to be a pesky guy. Oh, he's, he's um, hard so to stop. It's going to be, be one of those games where I think, you know, the X factors would be Larry Nash Jr. And then I think Darius Garland is going to have to step up. Because if they throw on their fifth guy on Garland... That's when you have to make that impact. And I think, you know, Richardson guards Sexton. I think that's that yep. even out. And, and Neto maybe on Garland could be a yeah, good chance. Yeah, and that could be a chance. So I, I'm i not saying, I mean, it's going to be hard for me to pick the Cavs in yeah, no, the game. Yep. Um, all due respect. Of course. Uh, but they, surprisingly, the star the star on star or matching up with Philadelphia's star, especially with Al out, um, that can be, uh, it can be a, te- a tough test for Philadelphia. And it will definitely, they're going to meet again on Sunday. And that, we'll, pro- we'll get to that after the Heat matchup. Probably take Philly for that one. By the way, the spread as of right now is currently Philly minus 10. So no matter the winner, I'm, I would go Cavs plus 10. And we'll be on NBA TV tonight. So that will be cool to see. And nevertheless, no, I would take Cavs plus 10. If I was betting straight up, and I, I'm confident in my team. I think we take the loss tonight and go to four and six. And up next, we got the Miami Heat. Oh, 
First off, before we even talk about the matchup, just real quick, Cody, how much of a treat has it been to see Kendrick Nunn going off, Goron finding himself, and while Winslow's played like three or four games, you got Myers Leonard playing well, they got all these undrafted guys, Chris Silva, yeah. Duncan Robinson started in D3, and now he's putting up 20 points in NBA games. It's wild. I mean, it just shows that, you know, sometimes talent valuation can go a little bit too overboard and over and, uh, and overanalyzing ath- uh, athletic ability and stuff, and... I mean, if you can play basketball, you can play basketball, and I've said that, and it's my kind of my phrase. If they can just get it done, they can get it done, and Kendrick Nunn can get it done. Um, you know, and like you said, I think it's a fun team to watch, and they played oh, yeah. very well. This is going to be a fun one. So injury updates, no Derek Jones. He's out with a hip, so we'll probably see some Duncan Robinson. Justice Winslow out with a concussion, so Kendrick Nunn will probably get the nod at point guard. Tyler Hero is questionable with an ankle injury if he is out. You got Dion suspended. We're not even going to talk about Dion. That's that's for another show, another day. Dion was a valued Cavalier in my eyes, but right now I don't know what he's doing. <clears throat> but he doesn't even have a number set. He has no number listed next to him on the basketball reference page. So I don't know what that means. Yeah, but that's fun. He's Dion. I love Dion. I was really sad when we when we gave him up. It worked out with that team and <clears throat> all the finals. But nevertheless, so we're going to assume that Tyler Hero's probably going to play as a rookie. You want to give him as much experience as he can. Olenek is questionable with a knee injury. I would say hold, they're going to hold Olenek out of this game. So he gets to see some Chris Silva. We'll probably see James Johnson. So the Heat going to be starting likely Bam, Myers, Nunn, Hero, and Jimmy Butler. Jimmy, unbelievable. He's missed the start of the season, birth of his son, happy Kid, kid was healthy. It's great, great to see. Always good to be with your significant other. Never missed the game. Daniel Hudson, we're not talking baseball, but Daniel Hudson was absolutely in the right to miss yeah, the playoff game. Jimmy's averaging 27-6 and six so far. Justice in his five games, 14-8-5. We're not going to have to worry about him. Bam is averaging 13-9 and five assists, a la Joaquin Noah three or four years ago in Chicago. 13-5 and five for Hero. Kendrick Nunn, 17 points per game. Goron, 17 Duncan Robinson's averaging nine. Myers doing what he... I wish he was kind of in... Probably Myers Leonard actually shooting 65% from three. 11 of 17. It's no surprise after he made seven threes against the Warriors in the conference finals. Blazers should have won that game. Travesty. They didn't win for him. Anyway, it's going to be a tough matchup for many people. It's going to be a tough matchup for many people uh, on the Cavs. I think Jimmy's going to be really hard for Jetty to handle. I think Jimmy's going to have a big game. I think Tristan can kind of handle Bam. He'll be okay. Myers Leonard only usually plays first and third quarters. So I'm not too worried about Myers. Well, he might give Ke- him and Kevin Love basically the same player, but a few inches different in size. And Kevin's more productive offensively. And Goron, Goron and Clarkson will be the matchups off the bench. I, I'm actually going to give the edge to Miami. So I have the Cavs now at 0-2 for the week. And... Miami's just so tough. They're so gritty. They're so pesky, Cody. And we talk about all these options, and you really just have – and, yes, these are all mediocre players having good starts, but it's, they're really just – they move the ball well. They play one another, and the heat culture is very real. Yeah, I think they're one of only two teams, last time I checked, to both you know, be in the top five of offensive and defensive efficiency. I don't know if the, the standings have changed since I checked a couple of days ago, but, I mean, they're very good team, and they kind of got me by surprise a little bit. Um I mean, like you said, the talent on the roster on paper doesn't look great, but if you can play basketball, you can play basketball. I think Jimmy Butler going to that team and really instilling that let's just grind it out kind of old-school Chicago Bulls style of play, I think that was a huge pickup for Pat Riley and the crew. 
And they're playing really, really well. Like I said, defensively, they've been very good. Offensively, they've been very good. And they're just a tough team right now. And so I would assume you're just kind of staying with me on this one. You're going Miami. Yeah, I mean, like they're, I said. They're a good yeah. team. And I'm, I'm going to see Nets heat in December. Nothing to do with the Cavs. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get the Nets-Cavs game in person in March. Just want to say over the last two, three seasons combined, the Cavs are 1-0 and and I've been there. Only one game, Alec Burks, game-winning dunk against Brooklyn. Yeah. Alec Burks' dunk is what set Brooklyn on their run. They dropped to 8-18. and That is when the run began. So you know what? If it comes at our, if it comes, if it's at their own expense that we're beating them and getting them going, great. So when I get to the, when the Nets play the Cavs in March, you know it's going to be a, a Cleveland W, no doubt about it, in, in the Barclays Center. And lastly... Back against Philly, we're going to assume, I'm going to guess no Embiid for this one. They're probably going to rest Embiid and come back with Horford in this one. Probably have Ben Simmons. And, you know, I gave him the loss in the first one. But I, you know what? I'm going, to, I'm going to kind of fray from the obvious. We're not, we're not going to have a spread for this one until the weekend. I'm going to take the Cavs in this one no matter what. They're going to have had two hard-fought games. They're going to be in front of the home fans. And you know what? Cavs fans have never been the easiest. I mean, they cheer in the playoffs. They're there in the regular season, but they're. Ne- I just this always irks me, and maybe it's different watching on TV with the the new sounds coming in for the defense to kind of get fans going. When you don't, they really say nothing. Trust me, I, I saw this last night again. A reminder firsthand: the fans are just never that loud during the regular season. But this season, you can kind of tell there's a lot of entry. They always pack the stadium, and you love that. I love that, and. They've kind of been there this year. They've made a presence. They've been a hard team at home, and they just picked up a couple of road wins. I think seeing Philly at home is going to be very different than when they're going to be at Philly tonight. And you know what, Cody? Spread aside, I'm taking the Cavs straight up. I think we are going to be a tough out. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough, like you said. They have Philadelphia, Miami, and then Philadelphia again. Those are three of the top uh, three games where you're taking the top teams in the East. Yep. It's going to be hard. I mean... If you look at the flip side, like, those are hard-fought games that's going to wear on the Cavs a little bit. Yep. And you never know, you know, maybe Kevin Love takes a seat for a game or two. Be Ho- hopefully tries. not. Yeah, hopefully but not. A few days but, off between each game. But, I mean, NBA but, nowadays, you, you oh, set, I, 70 games is uh, normal. I find that fine. Like, I'm uh, probably one of the guys who, like, doesn't mind the whole load management oh, thing. Oh, the load mess. I don't mind it at all. But, I mean, take that aside. If you just look at the full rosters versus full rosters and – We'll assume Embiid's out for those reasons because, um, you know, they like to keep him a little bit safe. Um, but you put Allen there, and I love Al. I'm a, one of the biggest Al Orford supporters, and what he can do on a basketball court goes beyond what the box court says. Oh, 100%. So it's it's going to be a tough game. Like, but like I said, the Cavs match up well against the Stars, and Tristan Thompson might be out Orford's kryptonite. And trust me, I'm very much aware of what Tristan Thompson can do against Al Horford. And it's not pretty if you're a fan of Al Horford. <laughs> so, I mean, like I said, just the Cavs low-key match up well against the Stars of the Sixers. Yeah. I don't know what it is. But, <laughs> I mean, they, they'll I'll give them at least a decent, like a okay shot to at least okay. go to the wire with those, that and, team. And whether or not Embiid plays Sunday, I'm going to keep my stance. And Cody, any final thoughts? Any poems? Any, any one-liners you got here? But I know... Colin, 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 can't you see? Sometimes that loose hair just hypnotizes me. Yeah, I mean, like I said, just give Porter and Garland a chance. I mean, they're going to be pretty good players. At least Garland's going to be a really good player. I like Colin Sexton as well. I mean, Cleveland has a nice foundation. Just keep drafting well these next couple of years. And I think, I mean, I think the Cavs are going to be fine. I think they have a nice foundation. Beeline's done really, really well coming from college. Yep. Obviously, that isn't always the smoothest transition. 
Um, but he's done a, a, dec- a good job with the team he has. I mean, four and four and five there are right five. now. Back-to-back back wins. That's better than I would have thought, yeah. I mean, to be fair. But, <laughs> yep. I mean, just keep it up. I mean, the Cavaliers have a, have a good future in place. And last question. If you are Cody Altman, you're Kobe Altman, you're right. and we're at the deadline. Let's say the Cavs are hypothetically 22 and 29. Are you trading Kevin Love or are you keeping him? Because you, I believe he's a part of the future. I don't think you should trade him at all. I love Kevin Love, and he's one of my favorite players and has been. Um, I don't know. I think just where the direction the team is, is Sexton. I mean, what Kevin Love's, what, 32, 33? If we can get an age on Kevin Love. I mean, does he fit in the tie line with Garland, with Sexton, uh, with Nance, with Clarkson? 31. He just turned 31. Just so turned he's... 31, so he has some time. And he has a valuable skill, and I think you actually trade him because of he still has that valuable skill. Still a good rebounder, okay. can stretch the floor. Maybe a team like Portland, who will be very... Need, who needs someone like that, who can be very desperate. And, and... Maybe even, uh, you know take a, a half a year of Hassan Whiteside to get a better pick. Oh, boy. To get a pick <laughs> or something like that. Um, that could be something. Uh, maybe even if they don't like Nassar, Nasir Little, yep. maybe go uh, out. Yeah, I wish. He, he was their top prospects. I'm not sure he'll be on the market. Yeah, but, but I mean, you never, you never know. You never, you never know. know. You never know. I've seen craziest. Thomas Robinson got treated 45 times the fifth <laughs> overall pick <laughs> back in 2012. So you never oh, know. you never know. Uh, okay. But I think you go, you trade Kevin Love, you get the value out of him now. And then you just basically reset your timeline a little bit. As much as I love K-Love, he yeah. was there when LeBron and Kyrie were there. They're yeah. not there anymore. I think it might be time to move on. All right. So I am in the reverse boat. I understand the reason to trade him. So that'll do it for this edition of Across the Cavs. He is Cody Shalafu. I am Zach Weiss. Let's go Cavs. We'll be back on the air likely next weekend for some more wine and gold updates. Until then, we will catch you on Twitter. Catch us at Across Cavs. One word that is at Across Cavs. Sayonara.